This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz with Longleaf Reptilia, and you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Part of the Herpeticulture Network. This is episode 137 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Jacob Bratz with Longleaf Reptilia. Longleaf Reptilia. Yeah, I almost said it wrong that time, I'm not going to lie. Wrong reptilia. It almost came out. I was like, JLB Reptilia. Yeah. Um. So, episode 137 brought to you by Steve Snakeshire and his Venom Hot Sauce. Everyone, please check it out. Get you some. Cottonmouth Sauce is where it's at. They're all good, but they're all if you need some spice and you need some flavor, need some spice in your life. The Spice Girls have nothing on these hot sauces. No, these are the spice snakes. Mm. Can't get enough. Mm. Mm. Uh, check them out. If you buy his hot sauces, you're helping him out with his public outreach, with uh, public education, his removals, relocations, rescues, rehabs, all that good stuff related to uh, snakes and, and herps of the. I don't. I still. I'm not exactly sure on a map where he is in Louisiana. I don't. I think he's like more towards like the middle of the state. I could be wrong, but he's a firefighter. He's, I think he's a paramedic too. You're helping every out now because, and then. well, yeah, I mean, like firefighters are also like, yeah, you know, they're trained so, paramedics. So. Help them out. Go grab you some venom hot sauce. You'll be supporting a good cause. It's an delicious. awesome dude. But, uh, we didn't have an episode last week. We had an event nope. at work, so that's why you haven't seen us in two weeks. Um, for whatever reason, we've been doing events on Thursdays. Instead of Fridays or Saturdays like normal people. So I didn't get off till nine. So that's the reason we're, we didn't do one last week, but we're back. Um, not a whole lot new to report. I don't know about you, but I got Aki's coming from Alan Stevens next week. Hopefully the beginning of the week. Got to finish getting this set up ready to go and, yeah. and, and tuned in and, uh, need to get my hands i gotta do roaches again so i gotta get my hands on some dubious dude let me know because i also i'm getting cave geckos from chris and I oh that's to, right i need to work on a colony of those i mean the good news is now if i do if i do dubious then maybe i can do coleonics if i'm already gonna have the bugs it's i kind like of i i low-key low want some coleonics too we're gonna i'm gonna see how it goes with these cave geckos and if i like them i might get a couple coleonics the only the main issue with those is like the babies eat fruit flies and it's like uh, do i really want to deal with fruit flies again <laughs> that's i would just get I like i'll just get like one just to have just because i, I want to breed them i don't want to deal with fruit flies i'm not doing that it's not so bad it's just making sure you don't run out that's kind of the tricky part yeah you know but um, but I got I got my Emery's you did last week so that was new. Those were nice. I don't know if we've had episodes since I got the water snakes from Loafman. I added more to my Ponchatoula group. Um, yeah, I think that's been about it. Yeah, it's just kind of been coasting yeah. at least the last month or so. Yeah, nothing terribly new to report getting um, some stuff this weekend that'll be adding um, mm-hmm. some more emery's more water snakes. That beards from him while you're down there 
Dude, I, I was going to say, get snag that bears from... I'll pick it up. Buy it for me. I'm not gonna buy it for you. <laughs> I buy. Oh, I, that's the one thing I am buying because we're. I'm doing some work with with Chris, but um, I'm getting a getting a pair of Decurts rat snakes. Decurts, dude. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. I don't see the things. thing is is that so excited. I think that Bairds he has is a male, and I Who need cares? another male. Like I need dude, a that thing is silver. I know silver. It's, 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 I wanted to get it just because. You know how much you wanted for it. You tell me later. I feel like you told me, but I can't. I don't remember. know. I just, hey, I don't need another one. Yeah, you do. I mean, I want yeah, another one, obviously, but needing. That's like that one's locality specific. You told me locality. Yeah, it's Highway 277. It is. It's Loma Alta, basically. Oh, it is Loma Alta. Pretty much. Same general area, pocket. Yeah. But... Come on, man. <sighs> start cooling stuff down next month. Start getting ready for that. Still need to make a final decision on what I'm going to pair. and Because I got a pretty decent list. And now it's a matter of do I want to produce all that potentially. And deal That's the with thing that. is if you do, you have to prepare to produce all of it. That's, you know what I mean? Like you have to be prepared to house everything that you pair up. Mm-hmm. You know, like just in case, because if you go into it, like, oh, they probably won't all go. They will. No, oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, fortunately, the bears' clutches are pretty small, so that makes it a little easier. Yeah, but if you have a clutch of five bears, clutch of seven corns, another clutch of seven corns, and you know, Dion's, Dion's, by Maculata, and what else? I know I'm forgetting something. That's yeah. those Emory Eye, maybe. Or the meal morum. Are you keeping those now? I don't know. Are you taking them? Do you want me to take them? Kind of. I you, like them, but if if you, you can take, if you can, I would. I want them. I just want the space. I want them to stay, I but like, I also don't want to <laughs> use the space. But like, if you're gonna get, if it's me, take them or get rid of them. I will take them. I'm not. I definitely don't want to get rid of them. It's just the space thing. That's the biggest. Okay, well, hold on to them as long as you can. Is the problem. Hold on to them as I long as you can. This. Okay. I mean, they're not going anywhere. I'll cool them down and everything. Yeah. And then if you end up having more space come spring when it's time to like pair and stuff, then go nuts. Yeah. Let me see where I'm at after this Sunday and then compensate for what I'm getting from Chris and then I'll see where I'm at. So I got, I do, I need more stuff from Black Box. I need another, yeah, I, need, I, I need two more of the, I need another one of each rags that I got. Technically, I don't need to be 70s yet, but. Yep. Not even a thing. That's things filling up. It's about to be filled pretty soon. Just need a bigger room. Physically, if I had more space, it'd be fine. But because my room is like a telephone booth, it's it's tough. But yeah. uh, this week, we are joined by Mr. Ish. Kiones of IQ Exotics. I think I pronounced the last name right this time. You did. Yeah. yeah. Three years of Spanish. He's, Don't fail me now. He's good. No, man. Justin's <laughs> Justin's been really solid at getting people's last names. I'm like like 20 and there's one. there's been several that are like, what people were like, well, you got that right yeah. the first time. That's pretty impressive. So because I, I have diction. Diction. 
your edumacated. Yeah. That good old for learning. Doctors. Huh? This is a house of learning doctors. Learning doctors. But uh, what's up, man? How we doing? Good here. Just uh, feeding, getting everyone's last meals in for the winter. Well, when I say everyone, I mean the Morelia because I'm trying to cool them down with the exception of the six that are hanging out in quarantine. Um, but yeah, I just I could actually breed. I could actually breed one of my females this year, but I'm going to give her the year off because the male is kind of at the cusp of where he can go. And I would really like to use that pop one with her. So I'd rather just hold off then to just pair anything mm-hmm. just for the hell of pairing. And with these right. guys, I'm just being very particular about who gets paired with what. So, um, and especially with, uh, just keeping a long-term goal in mind. So that's why I'm just kind of letting things kind of ride out, but I will cycle them. So that way, um, there's, no surprise to their systems next year when they're actually mm-hmm. cooled down. So I'll stop right. feeding them around Halloween and then um, start cooling them down around Thanksgiving. And I'm kind of following Eric Burke's lead with that. Um, if I was pairing anyone, then I'd kind of just start pairing them around Christmas. So, and then um, from there and so on, and then start feeding again back in uh Let's see if Mother Nature doesn't kind of start throwing curveballs away, then start feeding them around the end of February, maybe March. Not sure. So, but that sometimes you get thrown off with our 70 degree Christmas days and what. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been, oh, that's something else. Cause I had that issue last year when I was cooling my guys down, mm-hmm. where we had like a couple of days where it was just like 60, 70 degrees. I'm like, oh, crap. Well, this isn't going to work. So. That's why I'm not, I'm not planning on, I do want to, I'm going to be cooling some of my adult colubrids this year. And, um, Are you pop ones this year? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I about think throwing them in. Huh? I think you should, but I also like, yeah. what drives me crazy is when you talk to your friends about it, they're like, dude, totally do it. They're not the ones that have to deal with feeding. Yeah, like exactly. 30 babies. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a pause with the carpet. still. you know, just kind of maintaining what I have. I'm trying to decide if I want to produce more, but I'm thinking about thinking about parents. I'm trying to get a clutch and that I can, you know, sell all pretty much most of, um, doing a repeat pairing of the last one. Those were nice. Cause those were, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really want to see what, uh, are you cooling down your smaller stuff too? Ish. So everyone is getting cooled down. That is including the smaller stuff. The only ones that are not getting cooled down are the six that came in. Um, one of them being the tiger from Billy Hunt. Just because those guys are very small. They're going to be sitting in quarantine for the next couple of months. And mm-hmm. the room they're in, it would get a little too cool if I were to cool them down. So they're going to go through a kind of a quasi cool down where they're going to get fed sparingly but nothing um i'm just kind of keeping an eye on them but mm-hmm. the main room with they're all being cooled down and they if everything goes according to plan like i don't plan on feeding anybody until the spring so um and that's just more in preparation i was very hesitant to do it last year so i'm like well some of these guys are very small and they did fine but they were still way bigger than the six hatchlings that i have now um which I can get to in a bit in terms of like what's in that collection because mm-hmm. some of these guys I'm actually really excited about. So, um, <clears throat> but so what's the uh, just a sort of a quick 
our general intro, as we call it, just unless you're you have a different background story as far as how you got into herps than you know no, the other ninety so, percent of us. <laughs> my so shockingly enough, my herp story is a little different. I was actually afraid of snakes in the beginning. So back in when I was working in a small clinic, uh, my first encounter with the snake was actually a one hundred and fifty pound Burmese python was being treated for a respiratory infection and I had just come out of a rabbit spay and I just smelled oh. like road. Yeah. So that was fun. There were three people having to work with her. She was luckily it was fine. But after that, the vet that I worked with was like, well, maybe you can, maybe you should get yourself a ball pipe and just kind of get used to it. And started out with that. They're like pet rocks. They're okay, but not, they weren't what did it to me, mm-hmm. what did it for me. Um, then kind of went off to green tree pythons, which I had gotten a few from Ian Bissell. They're cool, yeah. but they're just very fragile. Uh, one of them I lost right after the move. So she was a sensitive one. Like she was one who actually, I say she, but whatever it was, because they're not sexed, um, kind of gave me issues right after the move, uh, right after shipping rather with eating. And then after the move, just kind of like threw her off the deep end, I kind of just mm-hmm. lost her, uh, lost that one. And then the second one, I actually lost, unfortunately, I had a <laughs> coconut husk in the tub and he had gotten himself asphyxiated with the fibers. So oh. that one was a kick in the balls. So after mm-hmm. that, I'm like, all right, not keeping chondros there. They seem to be cool once they're in that little circle of what was would be acceptable for them, even though... This was the coconut husk, but after that, I'm like, I'm just going to focus on the Morelia, which seems to be much more sturdy. I mean, some of these guys, you kind of have to, like, drop a pile of books on them to kill them. So, but <laughs> fortunately, these guys have been, they've been rock solid. Like, the ones I had for the move, uh, during the move, they actually tolerated the move pretty well. And this was, like, moving in the, uh, right in the middle of February, where it was, like, bone-chilling cold. So, um that's one of those things that I didn't quite realize it was going to be a how much of a pain in the ass it would be into actually moving a collection. So yeah, it is. Yeah, it's but, a freaking nightmare. Like yeah. even just having to move. I mean, Jake knows too. Like even just having to move across town here. Like where we live is not a big town. Like across town here is literally like what fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah, it's basically a giant circle, and from one side of that circle to the other, it's like a fifteen minute drive. And even just moving that. You know, and having to make multiple yeah. trips and dude, I've moved ugh. more. I've moved more the last since I think I moved back to Beaufort in 2017. I've moved more since uh, pretty much every year mm-hmm. since 2017. It is a freaking nightmare, and I'm so over it. You know, it, I, it sucks. I get it, and I've I've had to help move like equipment, like uh. When I was working in a small clinic, we had a we had a relocate, so moving that stuff was just moving's just not fun. No, uh, I always say no. well, you never realize how much crap you have until you're moving it. Yep. That's true. That's including true. snakes and cages. Yes, fortunately, that collection was pretty small. At well, what I would consider small. And then with moving furniture, since it was move, I was moving into the condo. I was like, I don't want to take anything other than like one or two things that I had gotten a couple of months prior, but everything else was like brand new. But that in itself is its own headache because it's out of state. Um, and then just like 
getting myself back into the groove, like getting into work from that area and just like, okay, like how much, how much more time is going to take things that you kind of know you should take into consideration, but it's like when you actually do it, like, Oh wait, it's a different story. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you're up North. I'm up in New Jersey. I'm in Elizabeth, New Jersey. I do stay close to New York because I am licensed in the state of New York. Um, so basically, in New York, New York is one of the states where you need to be licensed to practice veterinary technology. So I do stay close to that, but I am just outside the city just for the sake of getting away from the craziness of the mm-hmm. Big Apple, but just being far enough where, because New York City also sucks in terms of like reptile laws, because you can have, there's things you can have in New York State that you just can't have in New York City, which is why like the White Plains show, that's as... Well, between that and Long Island, that's where that's where you're gonna find those shows. You're not gonna see anything anywhere near the five boroughs. So, which really makes no sense. Um, but whatever. That's just how New York is. That well, with stuff like that. But um, yeah, basically that's what I ended up doing. Um, moving out here, still staying in New York, and still working in New York. And for anyone who's not really sure what I do. I actually work in basically anesthesia neurology. I do have a special interest in that, but it's mostly mammals. It's very rare that I actually get to see herps these days. What I do find myself, uh, what does end up happening is that I do have veterinary friends who will kind of ask me something like, hey, um, they got some information on one of the, one of their engine, like one of their search engines, like uh, an acid or, um, Mm-hmm. or VIN, and a lot of that information is not accurate because a lot of them actually say, like, you need a hot spot of, like, 95 degrees. Yeah, a lot of it's pretty old, especially in Apsid. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're, it's a perfect way to cook you guys. So, you know, maybe 10 degrees lower. So, so most of the vets that I've worked with have been much more accepting of kind of, like, listening to anecdotal information. Mm-hmm. There is one or two like old school ones like, oh, well, this is what it says. This is what this is what it must be. But it's really like, for example, it's really hot in Australia. But yeah, but that's being right off of some weather tower somewhere where these guys are not being found. Like they're mm-hmm. probably not baking out that, you know, in a temperature like that. So um, and that's where, you know, that comes across. But it's. I saw more reptiles when I was working in general practice or like a small clinic setting. And it was usually for like what I usually call the trifecta, either mites, respiratory infection, or um, just being off feed. So Mm -hmm. like cosmetry error. So it kind of gets a little repetitive that way. So um, there's a lot of, lot of balls, a lot of ball pythons, a couple of, uh, a few boas here and there. Um, The berm, that's you don't find a lot of stuff. Really, no colubrids. Yeah. Um, a teagle here and there, of course, an iguana here and there, which are not ideal pets for many reasons. Um, and then we did have a Nile monitor once, which I thought was weird because I haven't seen one in a long time. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, but this one was pretty small, so pretty cool. But yeah, just too demanding for what I'd want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, basically where I'm at now, I just focus on anesthesia. I do teach anesthesia, um, to some of the younger students, well, younger techs. And, um, that's basically that. Unfortunately, I work somewhere where I'm not 
micromanaged with um, vets. So basically, if I have to write up a protocol, I'll write up the protocol, send it to the vets. If they have any questions, like why are you using this drug instead of this drug, or they'll just kind of think about asking me questions for the sake of um, finding out my thought process. But um, I just like in working independently that way, so which mm -hmm. works out in that sense. Um, then, of course, at the end of the day, I get to come home and enjoy my collection, my Morelia et al. Yeah, which, which I mean, that's the that's the bulk of it now, right? Is is carpets. Yes. So I actually, when um, earlier today, I actually did a quick count. So I'm actually at 34 animals right now. So um, I would actually, I'm on two, at 2.2 Poplins, 3.7 Jungle Carpets, 4.5 Coastals, 1.1 Brettles, and um, uh, 0.1 Diamonds. That's my pure stuff. Nice. Um, then I do have a few integrates that's just mainly for me. It's kind of like my morph fix. Um, so basically it's, uh, two 75, 25 pop win, uh, coastal carpets that I actually got from Jeremy Turgeon. Uh, another two 50 fifties. Those girls are actually caramels granites that I got from Tony over at revision reptiles. So. Um, I actually have, and I do have a 150-50 cross uh, jungle coastal that was produced by Steve Katz, but did not come from Steve Katz. Uh, actually came from someone else who posted her as a striped jungle and came, and I didn't find out until after the fact, which mm -hmm. is fine. You know, it is what it is. She's a pretty animal, um, but she looks, had I not known, I would have thought like she's actually, like she looks just like a jungle so um but yeah and i spoke to steve about that you know and told him like it wasn't because he was like is that he thought i was saying that it was him I'm like no it wasn't you who said it like i got it from someone else it just happens to be an animal that you created so yeah um, communication just gets gets jumbled you know yeah exactly which is one of those things i really want to be careful with um moving forward and actually breeding these guys because I was on the fence, like, well, you know, they're integrates, but if I really want to get down to the nitty gritty, like, there's some lines of jungles that are not really considered pure. Like, for example, I do have a wild lion female. Um, yeah, there's some question marks in that lineage, but I'm just planning on, well, you know, if I do breed her, I'm just going to make that information as transparent yeah. as possible. Like, Hey, she's a wildlife animal. So if you're looking for a pure animal, like she's probably not like her lineage, like her offspring is probably not what you're looking for. So um, if, I, if everybody's being honest, like most of the most of the really nice, like well-known jungle lines are not pure. And that's it. Yeah. That's, you know, it, it is what it is. I, like, you know, of, it's a lot of serious carbon python people are they're going to advertise it as what it is you know they're not yeah. gonna try no. and it, it's that a, that's the thing there's a lot of there's so many questions behind all this stuff and that's why like that's why i sunk in the pop wind so much is because like you know you can't question it you can't question it like <laughs> if you have farm bread stuff like you know but things have been closed off from australia for so long now it's you know, and it's not, I'm not, I don't have a problem with it at all. It's, you know, but some people, you know, they, some of the, some of the well-known lines, you know, of jungles are, 
you know, a lot of that stuff is crossed with, you know, diamonds way back when, and it may be very, very little, but yeah, know, it's, it's definitely there. And I don't know. I, there's like, there's a couple lines out there with jungles that are, you know, are known pure, but that's what surprises me too, is it seems like, I mean, Conjure guys are really serious about lineage charts and keeping track of that stuff. And I know there's carpet guys that have that have done taken that and done it with carpets, but it doesn't seem like not nearly as many people in carpets kept track of it as detailed as the Conjure guys do. See, I feel like the Conjure guys, like for me, it seems like most of them are like names. Like you guys track like what animals and names and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but like a lot of from what, at least from what I've heard, you guys don't have like locality specific like to those names some of them yeah but a lot of them are just names and it's just like the background but all of it's undocumented some type of them, stuff you yeah. know but a lot of the carpet guys they focus more on like that percentage or the the purity you guys are more like what the animals themselves were because you know i know all these you know conjurers have like these specific names you know and stuff like hearing Andy, Andy Middleton talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know he uses all these all these names of older animals, it's, but yeah. it seems like with carpet guys, it's more like you know this this animal's parents were you know fifty percent jungle, right? But IJ, I know I've XYZ. seen some guys. I want to say maybe it was Michael Pennell who was had actual charts like lineage charts that yeah. showed how it went all the way back to like the original imported stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't seem like as many corporate guys no. seem to do that kind of thing in comparison to the Condro guys. Eric Burke does that too. Yeah, he's got. He's he got, does that. I know he's got super lineage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, no, I would, I would agree. Yeah, not not as many carpet guys. I just thought that was interesting because yeah. they're you know being so similar as far as the people keeping them and stuff. You would think that that would translate more over into the carpet carpet thing, but. No, a few people have charts. No, Eric makes charts because he had sent me charts of uh, his reds. So, because uh, I do have one red from him. So, um, which I'm actually really, that's probably the one animal I'm really excited to watch grow because mm -hmm. he's just getting brighter and brighter and brighter. So, I know it's hard to pick. You're not supposed to pick a favorite. But... Man, he's the guy uh -huh. for reds, though. Yeah. Like, all the stuff I see from him, I'm like, I, I don't really have any desire to get into carpets, but man those things are tempting yeah it's um that it's and, Midlands, uh, man. yeah i'm always going through a little kylobothrus bug because of Eric. <laughs> i do have that puerto rican boa mm -hmm. um i do want to get another one i would i wouldn't mind ending up with 2.2 but i'm all right with 1.1 so i'm actually i've already hit up uh rob stone because i know he works with them too to hopefully get a female from him uh next time he breeds them and those guys like that species is weird because uh, they're being they're actually CITES one, so they can actually only I don't yeah. know if I remember correctly they can only be sold within the state, but they have to be gifted if they're leaving the state. So it's one of those yeah. weird things. So yeah, you can't like exchange. It's very strange. Yeah, um, which is weird because I've seen them posted once or twice on Morph Market, but I'm like. Mm. So I believe somebody asked about that on Snakes and Stogies a while back. So I'm like, mm, wait, like that's that sounds like a like a trap. Yeah, yeah. Like, eh. That's fish and wildlife so. sitting back there going, <laughs> take the bait. Watch this. Gotta be quicker than that. 
it's entrapment. <laughs> I thought that, and like they weren't even like being fed. Like they were. It doesn't even look like when I looked at the ad, like they were still being uh, fed on scented items. Like, mm, yeah. yeah. So this is before I got my Puerto Rican boa from Eric. So, um, which is a cool species. They are. They like to musk. So, I try not to mess with the mine as much as as little as possible because it's a stinky species, but. Still a cool one. So I love Jamaicans. I'd, I'd kill Jamaicans, Jamaicans. are cool. Uh, I do like the Berry Island boas and the um, Cuban boas. I, mm-hmm. I really do like them. Well, they're all cool. Um, and they're just like such an oddball species. So it's like that kind of obscure just kind of just attracts me to them. Because it's not something you get to see all the time. Yeah. So, um, but... Cool species, very shy, very different from Morelia, but uh, at least can't speak for the other ones. I know the Puerto Rican boa, he's essentially being treated just like the carpets. He's kind of going through that whole thing, whole cool down process also. Maybe I'll feed him a little bit more, uh, feed him like once or twice extra. really depends on what he's looking like, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like after seeing how they did last year, I was really concerned about them. Um, being a, you know, I'm like, mm, maybe they're hungry, but they were chilled. They were fine after that. Um, it's just interesting how, like, how truly little these guys actually need to be fed and how, you know, some people just need to chill out with the feedings. Mm-hmm. So, like, they don't need to be fed every week. They don't need to, adults don't need to be fed every two weeks unless you're cycling them. And even then, it's like, all right, like, just maybe skip one feeding in between those two. It's kind of let them kind of catch up, but... That's just my thought process with that. I'm still learning as I go along. So, um, <clears throat> what initially got you into the carpets? So, after the ball, so with ball python, I started with the ball pythons. They're just very, they're just too high strung. If you look at them the wrong way, they just kind of hide on you. I'm like, all right, or they stop feeding. I'm like, all right. So, I ended up getting into carpets. Uh, first one I got from Jeremy and just, realizing like how well they display how cool they are the the on the genetic color change they go through because they're just starting out really drab as neonates and it's it was a and then having an animal just like that would actually kind of come out in the middle of the day just kind of bask it just it drew me to that species and after my first couple i'm like all right it really did it for me so it's a species where you can give them as much space as you're able to when they're actually going to use that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, of course, going to be like one or two shy ones that will come out when you're not around, but they will use the space. So, and I do like the idea that they are arboreal, not quite as, not necessarily like a chondro. Some of them, you know, they kind of drape across, uh, they like several points of contact, but it was just, it's just a kind, it's, it's a, cool look it's an impressive animal it has that that impressive factor without being a overly large animal yeah. that's not that's un, you know that's not really manageable because like even boas like boas are cool but you know if a large boa is going to be a pain in the ass it's yeah. going to be a pain in the ass these guys as well but i don't i find these guys just not nearly as horrible as literature makes them out to be in terms of temperament so mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the hatchlings can be a little nippy, but even my most intractable of animals, like my jungles uh, from Steve Katz, 
even my closest from Eric, like they've actually chilled out as they've gotten bigger. So, um, and that's that. The, now the colubrids, I don't mess with as much because I kind of, uh, I never realized how quick they are, and I've lost, and I've nearly lost my female rat snake twice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not used so, to that. Not used to that. Like, Dude, you think rat snakes uh, are bad? You should, you should deal with Nerodia. Oh no! Oh I, my god, no, my water it. snakes I, are insane. I've, I've never lost a snake so many times, man. I had one of them today dive out of the tub onto my table and things go. Big quick. I explain like how those. one of the adult male corns is. Like, if I open the tub, he like jumps out. Yeah, yeah. Like, like those things where you used to like you open the can and like the foam snake shoots out because it's spring loaded. <laughs> That's exactly what this corn does. When you open the tub, he doesn't even know where he's going. He just goes. Yeah. And he just he's not like biting or anything like that. He literally just like throws himself out of the tub, like he's jumping yeah. out of an airplane. Well, Ish, I heard you say you like water. I heard you say you like water snakes, so you have good taste. He also likes yeah, I do, they're cool. Yeah, There's, it's like, yeah, the, the only ones yeah. I won't deal with are king snakes. I do like Alterna, but I just I don't want to deal mm -hmm. with the species that can potentially eat its mate. So it's like Apodora and Kribo are cool, but just that whole thing like, oh, well, I'm going to go check up with you guys a few hours later. And you find come back and you find that you're missing an animal. Like, wait. And then the other one's like suspiciously heavier. Mm -hmm. Like, nah. <laughs> So, and yeah. in case like Apodora, like I'm just very self-aware of how much space I'm willing to give, like to the sacrifice. Because if you're going to do something like that, like you need to do it right. Like you can't just have it in a right. smaller enclosure. So just not, just being aware of that, at least with the brettles, you can keep them comfortably in a mm -hmm. six foot cage or four, you know, four. Uh, I've seen four you keep by Keep in a cardboard box. Exactly. And, you know, but I don't want to do that with a larger species. So I also don't want to keep anything that could potentially um, cause an issue or, you know, eat the pincher because I do have the small little, the small dog who's, what, 10 pounds wearing a, on with a wet sweater. Mm -hmm. So don't need uh, anything happening with him either. So as much of you, as much of a pain in the ass he is. But, um, but yeah, with the colubrid. And that Kluber hole, I would like to get another uh, pair of birds, which I'm hoping that you make some next spring. And as weird as it may sound, I do want to get a pair of black rat snakes. That's not weird at all. It's like, oh, <laughs> but you can see them. Like, man, I know I can see them in a while, but they're just, they're, they're just cool. They, they're, they're just, it's a black snake. Oh, and I do. You guys get them all the way up there? Uh, I know they have them in PA. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I know if I go further, if I go far enough south i can actually probably find them like mm -hmm. probably close to uh pa but we can see them uh we do have coins up here uh further down we do have them, which is like why we actually have like weird rules with them like you can't you can keep them with a permit or you can actually keep them uh they're a morph you can't have like the wild type which is uh, okay weird um and also it's like they're still if you look on if Last time I looked at the Fish and Wildlife uh, site, they're still listed under Alafe. So and last I checked, like they're panthers. It's just it, it's out yeah. They haven't been Alafe for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's that's like the loophole. So it's like hmm, no. Like, well, that's why? also kind of the question because South Carolina has that proposed. Well, actually, it's not even proposed. It's actually in in effect now as far as selling native wildlife, um, specifically snakes and rat snakes and stuff, like. 
is a line considered a morph because it's not like you know if i get some some abbots mm. is that technically a wild type because it's been selectively bred for generations you know so that's that's i feel like they obviously they leave the laws vague and like the wording vague on purpose so that when things like this come up they're like yeah no sorry that's not that's not not a morph you know you yeah can't... that's what i that's how i think about it also i'm like hmm so i was like we're allowed to have um boas without a permit but you need a permit for the carpet for the pythons even hmm. for raw pythons so it is what it is like it's and um it like those permits are pretty easy to get anyway so it's like okay whatever it's if it's gonna keep people happy then it is what it is um yeah the weird they get a little weird with turtles um like mm-hmm. turtles are you you can actually you need to have a permit for that, but even then, like they're like very iffy with it. So, because uh, it's like they just ask, they require a little bit more stuff with that. Because we do have terrapins up here too, so which right. is interesting because we had more. I I felt like we had more in New York City down by uh, up by Jamaica Bay um, by the airport, like than anywhere else. Because I would have a lot of clients come in with their pet turtle, and it's like, oh. A terrapin. How long have you had it for? Oh, 20 odd years. Okay, where'd you get it from? Okay, <laughs> your friend gave it to you. Okay. Right. It's, yeah, it's, and you know, these are all like northern. It's weird. Everyone keeps getting terrapins from their same friend. <laughs> <laughs> but they're cool. It's just like, but, you know, anything aquatic, like I moved away from fish. That was kind of like my gateway species for a long time. Um, and it's just like where I'm at now, it's fish are too much work. So, and that's where the queue, if anyone see my logo, like you see the koi in there, because uh, I was very big on goldfish and koi for a while, but it's just, you need space for that. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's a lot of work, um, as, which is another reason why the morelia kind of work out, well, snakes work out well, because they don't need to be fed every day. So, um, yeah, they spoil you. Yes, I am. I did have to train myself because I ended up with four gargoyle geckos from a um, local friend of mine um, another vet tech who actually bred them so i took four from him and it's like oh crap wait you, i need to actually feed you guys every day so at least make sure you guys have food available every day so um and they're cool i actually really do like the gargoyle geckos yeah gargs are neat they're cool i just don't think Looking at them, I don't think, I mean, they just sit there and just lick their eyeballs. I don't think they're nearly as smart as, like, you know, I think the Morelia are much smarter. Like, they're actually aware they actually follow you. Um, these guys are questionable. So, but they're still a cool species nonetheless. So, crusties, I won't get into. Yeah, they the lights are on, but no one's home kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, so and that's as far deep into the gecko hole um, as I'll go into. Like I've always said, I do Felsuma grandis, but they're cool. But the idea of like them like sloughing their skin and getting lost in the apartment is not something I'd actually want to risk. So, because with my luck, that would happen. Yeah, so damn fast. Yes. So, and I have sensory heat. So, with my luck, I'll lose it in the vent. And all right, I guess I'll see you in a couple of months. So. Um, see what happens there, but that's a, yeah, that's yeah. So I'll just keep it at that. And what do you have as far as colubrids go right now? So with the colubrids, it's the 
2.1 of the uh, yellow rat snake. So it's a 1.1 Palm Beach County um, pair that I have. And mm-hmm. then I have the male Hernando County, uh, Florida um, yellow rat snake. I'd like to get another female Hernando County. I know Daniel over at Sunshine Serpents was the one. Uh, he had another female, but I lost. I missed out on that opportunity. So, But if push came to shove, he's more closer to the classic look than the other two. So if I had to get a classic female, then so be it. But, and also he's a male, so it's not like I'm using a locality female to a nitty gritty male, male, but Mm -hmm. that's where I go with that. I do want to get the, as I said, want to get the Bairds and um, do want to get a pair of black rat snakes. Um, Something locale. I know, who was it? I believe Justin actually has some. um, They're from Dark Horse Herp. Um, Yeah, Jake. Jake I, got I've got, I've got those. Like those are nice, and I, yeah. I took him up a couple huge. of times, and I missed out. I like he's just gotten rid of. Like he just sold his last two ones. Every time I reach, I'm like, damn it. So yeah, I, they are they're fantastic, man. Stay on them. I I absolutely love those. They're awesome. Um, the corns I like. I just feel like the corns are small. I lose a corn. Also, I don't want to get too far. I can appreciate their. I do like the Miamis. The mm-hmm. OPTs and the Tesseras, but yep. it's very quick to go down that cornhole. Yes. No pun intended. Huh. So, but. We, we know that all too well, especially <laughs> as of recently. Yeah, I do. I look back, I'm like, why do I, why did I get so many corns? Like, I should not have gotten so many. I kind of, sp- I kind of spurged on some corns. I have like, I've got the ones from you, the Ladies Islands. Mm-hmm. I've got some Hernando County corns. You got the buckskin, right? I got a pair of buckskin outcross, and then I have the anneries. I have an annery project. Yeah, so, it's it's they're cool though. I like them. They're cool, and it's not like they need a lot of space. So, it's, some of the locality stuff is cool. Like, have you seen um, Chris, Chris Montross's uh, South Mountain, North Carolina locales? They're insane. Those are, yeah, those are fantastic. It's that's insane. the that's that's the only other corn I want. Once I get those, I'm gonna be good. On Chris my, keeps trying to send me stuff, man. I'm like, I, I. It's not that I don't want it. I just <laughs> I don't have anywhere to put it because I also try to, you know, as crazy of a concept as this is, I try to really keep in mind what kind of space I'm I'm gonna be having to bump these things up to in a you know year or two. Yeah. And the more I think about it, the more like I'm already kind of in a pinch as is with what I currently have. So I really don't need to be taking on more, but then I also see three empty tubs in my hatchling rack and I'm like, yeah, but it takes them like two years to get to a bigger size. So. <laughs> oh, that's how it happens. So I, it's the, yeah. uh, so the six guys that came in, uh, so four of those guys actually from Brandon Wheeler. So it's a 1.1, uh, male granite and a female het granite. Uh, that was actually joint pairing from Nick Mutton and Brandon Wheeler. Then I got two Brisbane, um, a pair of Brisbane's from him as well. Nice. And um, I forced myself to buy, like, knowing how long they take uh, to actually, you know, get to me. I did force myself to buy four more AP cages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea, so basically the idea that I'm following is that as something new comes in, get the cage. Because... yeah. I don't want to be like, holy crap, I need this cage to come in now. Like, holy crap, holy crap, why is this cage not here? So, Especially I'll, when you're dealing with lead times like that. 
Exactly. It's best to go ahead and order it now so that by the time it is an adult, your cage will be there ready to go. <laughs> yes. And it's, it Maybe. drives me nuts. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. And it drives might be me a nuts. retired breeder by the time you get it. <laughs> and it drives me nuts because I, I like my cages to all look the same. Like I like everything. I like everything to match. Um, same. Same. Yeah. I get it. So that's why I want to switch out the black racks for white ones eventually. But it's not, I'm not in a rush for that. So having that set up, and that's kind of like how I had planned out the room. So with the understanding that if push came to shove, because there's a possibility, the room that they're in, I'm either going to keep everything there and move my spring breeders and my rat snakes into what I call the cold room, which is uh, across from my current snake room, and then just keep those guys there. Or just move everything over and then bring out the stuff that needs to be cooled. But I'd rather not do that because I don't want to be, I don't want to have to move things every night for the sake of mm-hmm. cooling them out if that can be helped. I'd rather just use the ambient in the room and position those guys close to the floor and close to a window where if I have to kind of crack the window open without causing a draft, give them that mm-hmm. ambient work like that. So, because I like to be, I really do like to be hands off with my animals as much as possible. Like, yeah, they can interact with them, but they're not, I, I'm like, I don't need to handle them every day. I don't need them to be puppy dog tame. Right. So, um, I mean, that's what the dogs are for. So, um, but that's just how I'm planning on going with that. And I definitely do want to have a ceiling fan installed in that room just for the sake of moving and circulating efficiently. So, which is part I mean, of you that. guys do have the convenience of, of having that colder weather and having actual winters. That's the kind of the struggle down here is like, yes, yeah, it gets cold, but then we'll get a week. Uh, I mean, last year we actually had a pretty solid, consistent winter, but then we'll get a week where it's like 70. That's why I'm not even like, <laughs> and for, it's like for my clue. That's all I was going to say earlier. Snakes are waking up and they're like, oh, it's spring. And then it goes back to being like 50s. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, what? Yeah, that's why I'm not even going to bother cooling my, because like I said, I'm going to cool some uh, some of my adult Pituophis, uh this year. They're not going to be, I'm not going to pair them up, but they're going to get cooled down. But I'm not even going to start because I plan on, I'm hoping I'll have a, a better dedicated space come for cooling stuff come January-ish. And But like, that's fine because I'm only going to cool for January and February. Because those are the coldest months we have to actually be able to cool an entire room because I don't trust it staying cold in <laughs> December, you know. And if I'm going to try and cool a whole room with the outside temperatures, you know, I'm going to close off all airflow in there. Well, not all airflow. I'm going to keep windows open to drop it in there, you know. I have to have it cold out, you know, to get the room that up there or down as low as I want. So I'm not even going to start till January. In fact, I'm going to do January, February and start warming back up in March. That's something that I wonder about, though, especially with like the Bairds, because people say, you know, you'll read conflicting things that say you can you have to cool down the Bairds. You don't have to cool down the Bairds like you can pair them without having to cool them. But I wonder how long do you actually have to cool? Like, could you cool them for just a month and that? basically achieve the same result see that if if you're gonna do that what i would suggest doing is start doing that young start that cycle at a young age versus waiting till they're an adult and then slapping them a month of cold you know start doing that when they're two years old or you know after their first year 
you know, start cycling them that one that for a month in the cold, you know, I'm personally going to go two months. I, I, I'm going to shoot for that 60 days, but I, I think Baird's like traditional you know, Thanksgiving to Valentine's day is kind of what I shoot for. But I would almost with Baird's like, I would almost look at it as more of like a, a Brettles cooling aspect to it. Like they need, I would almost just thinking about where they're from, you know, a lot of right, times they've been out there. Yeah. Yeah. It gets hot during the day in the winter still at times, you know, so, but it drops tremendously at night. So I think if you drop them, you know, if you just took them out to the garage for a 50 degree night, you know, then brought them back in to warm up during the day. Yeah, I think that would I think that I would know. do for the Baird specifically. Now you're more southeastern stuff, you know, you want those. I don't know. That's what well, that's what I wondered too, like with the corns. I mean, as easy as those are to breed, it's like, do we really have to cool them down for a solid like three months? Or could you just pull off a month? And not that it's like a I want to breed more and breed faster kind of thing, but it's like, is it really an absolute necessity that they're down for three oh. months? I, I think how, I think you have better production personally. Probably. Yeah. I also wonder how sensitive these guys are to like is it really the coolant they're responding to or are they rec- or are they just responding to like changes in barometric pressure because like the whole thing mm-hmm. with IJs like you don't you can cool them down but I feel like they're more sensitive to the barometric changes than right. anything else and they're the first ones to go. So, I don't really cool my IJs. I, I let my period too. I let my yeah. ambience. I let my ambience drop in my room, but I don't turn off heat. And then I I food cycle more than anything. And then you follow the storms. As I, I but with you with snakes, man, that's all. That's like my catchphrase: follow the storms. Like I do it with herpin, with breeding, everything. I, follow, yeah, goddamn right. <laughs> Job, like i don't when i say cool i don't cool it like i just it just let the ambient temperatures drop and yeah um everything gets shut off at night uh and then basically everything just turns back on and then the lighting is actually dialed into the sunlight uh sunrise or sunset here in the northeast so right. um in a winter time the photo period is pretty short mm-hmm. uh, and i did that specifically because i know like the diamond is going to be sensitive to that type of thing and just kind of mimicking the natural, just kind of following natural uh, weather pattern up here. So it's essentially their winter here. So even though they're in Jersey, so um, that's what I approach with that. But it's interesting to see what. I think doing. it's a combination of things. I think it's a the lack of food for a given like a certain period of time. I think that that sort of triggers something. I think the shorter days, the photo period plays a bigger part in it than maybe we give it credit for. But you also have to think about with colubrids, colubrids are burrowed. They're not getting during that winter time. They're not getting that photo. Right. Period. But as you're getting into That's that true. season, like now when before it doesn't get dark until nine, now it's getting dark at seven. Yeah, no, that like, for sure. As you yeah. Well, as you season, I think. Yeah. That as play, you start to pull back difference. food, then yeah, I could see that. But like during your, like your cold months, like then they're, they're dark you know you don't you don't want them to see light because light triggers i wonder you know, springtime that's yeah. true like if you kept them at the same temperature but then you just made the day shorter like the light the amount of light they got on a daily basis shorter and then if you did it to where you didn't change either of those and you just took them off food for three months well, or, see, you can't just you take know. colubrids off food for three months. That's the thing. They're they don't not? they're not like carpets and pythons. Like they don't they have a much higher metabolism. Like we're not going to feed them for three months. Their systems need to be shut down essentially. 
like that's the purpose of getting them that cold is because they're not eating and they can you know they're not their their systems are off yeah you know? that's true. they can store all of that you know they don't really i'm not gonna say that i'm not saying they're gonna die but they're not meant to be offered three months without food you know while they're normally i've got digesting. some that can afford to be off food for a while yeah they're good i mean it could be one of those things where you do the photo period and then you just cut back with food i don't know i mean I'm, I'm probably not gonna it be something to mess with, with it and find out but it's just something i like but because in something like that you'd, you'd want like a whole cage set up you know what i mean and that to me that would be something i would want to do from basically when it's born you know like yeah. having that light cycle and that cycling every year of cutting back food and doing the lighting specifically like that's something i would be wanting to put into play from early that's, early I don't, on i'm not i mean i'll i'll start cooling them down i guess when they're like a year or two but when they're younger i don't i don't have any desire to really cool off juveniles and hatchlings and stuff my like, plan is after the first year after the first year i'm gonna start cooling stuff and, and um, the only reason i would cool smaller stuff like that is just because that's it gives me more of a break as far as food production for that time i can load up a little more like yeah. that's the the big thing is like i can actually stock up yeah that's a reason why i'm trying to cool down even though it's only three rat snakes that's why i'm kind of cooling them down not to the point of where they're totally roommating, but just cutting back on their feedings a bit. Um, Cause it, yeah, it's, yeah, just to refill that uh, ice chest, like it's, you don't realize how quickly you go through things. You actually, mm -hmm. holy crap, like, oh, like, all right. Then taking into account, like when you have more animals coming like, oh wait, that's more mouths I have to feed. So, yep. and these days I'm feeding most, the carpets, they're getting mostly poultry at this point. So I'd hardly feed rats, so. Um, and just that was because working in lab animal medicine, seeing how what these adult male rats look like by age of like 18 months, seeing how fat they are. I'm like, yeah, that can't be good for whatever is eating that. So well, unless it's like a rat snake that's like going to burn that off quickly. So and I feel like they just had much more of a feeding response with the quail, with the quail and the chickens, that is uh, mm -hmm. with the Morelia. So interesting you know now do you find it easier or harder to keep your collection living in that sort of chaotic you know city environment i mean i don't know how how bad elizabeth is compared to new york city i mean i'd imagine it's pretty different but having lived there like i just think about like the commute and stuff because i know a lot of people don't really have cars there because where yeah. the hell do you put it you know and, and so <laughs> I, does that make it more difficult not necessarily so moving the collection i didn't use a u-haul of course i moved everything late at night just so that way you know having everything in boxes is pretty it looks pretty benign but here it's not that big of a deal uh there's a like if i have to go pick up a package it's or if I'm dropping off a package it's really pretty like there's a fedex hub right near me so it's not that bad mm -hmm. um and then in terms of like having my uh having like my stuff from like rodent pro or whatever being sent to me it comes in a brown box like i'm pretty i make sure that if i have to get something from somewhere that there's like no logos actually being displayed so right. 
Um, but also where I'm at now, it's still considered a city, but it's more the burbs than anything else. In New York City, it was much more of a headache. Uh, I remember I had like three of my racks come in from AP Cages at the same time, and their logos were on that. And the lady from FedEx was like, oh, I know who you are. You're the guy who's always getting this stuff. Like, yeah. It's like, what do you keep? I'm like, oh, nothing. You know, <laughs> just bringing that stuff upstairs. So it was, uh, but... Yeah, it's yeah, kind of hard to hide that stuff when you're, you know, living in a, in New York City, a building and yes. stuff. Yeah. So, um, and that's actually, I, um, I actually had my what a lot of her keeper, a lot of herpers, um, their worst nightmare actually happened to me, where uh, I had my old super when I was living in New York. He actually went into my apartment when I wasn't at work, um, which he got ripped apart for because I'm like, why'd you do that? And he went into what was essentially the snake room and he found out about the collection. So at the time it was just mostly the ball python. So mm-hmm. he wasn't too bad with it. He pulled me to the side like, hey, like what's up with this? So but I was able to break out my lease with that because that's when I was planning on moving into this home now. Uh this is when I was planning to move into this house. So it worked it worked beautifully. But um yeah, if you're gonna have a collection like that, like if you're renting, you have to be very quiet with that stuff especially mm-hmm. in a large city um but it's one of those it's weird though because no one really it's like you not supposed to have a lot of the stuff in the city when i say you're not supposed to it's like it's not it's one of those things like it's prohibited but it's not enforced like no one like people there's bigger fish to fry than a guy exactly, having steaks in the apartment exactly yeah. and a lot of our stuff um which was like why we didn't see a lot of herps in small practice. Like we would see them, but not as frequent as other places. And there's just a lot of like that fear factor. But mm-hmm. honestly, the veterinarians don't care about that stuff. Like they're not, it's just like, okay, like it's a sick animal that needs treatment. Right. Needs this needs that, like who cares? So uh, ferrets are another weird one, even though I've had ferrets and, you know, I would actually be, when I was young, uh, I would actually be out and about with my ferrets and like the cops didn't care. Like it was a lot of these, pe- uh, a lot of law enforcement, they're like, oh, what's that? Oh, okay. Like no one really, unless it's like fishing game, no one really cares about that stuff. Not, not saying go and, you know, get something and put in a New York city apartment, but you know, no one really cares about that stuff. So dogs are more of an issue over there. So, cause we do have a lot of issues in the city, greater city. We do have a lot of issues with like dogs being off leash and, like people getting bitten and whatnot, like nuisance type of things. So fun times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, that's a, it's not difficult. Now, what I would say is a little difficult is actually finding a vet who's comfortable with exotics, specifically with reptiles and even more narrow, like with snakes specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am fortunate enough that I actually know a couple who are comfortable enough with seeing uh, my animals if I actually do run into an issue with that. Um, I also, there's one vet who I've known for a long time has actually seen my pets for ages. And I'd actually, I would actually really like to work with her in terms of like having her learn, like getting her feet wet with these types of animals that yeah. we're all comfortable. Because that works out too. So, um and in terms of, yeah, it works out. It, like it works out, but it and it also helps out with the collection because I'm, I I find like I'm a little bit more 
anal retentive in terms like cleanliness and you know what's being screened for what right um and it actually helps out a lot like i've never if i hear some like years ago if i would hear something like wait what what's that wheeze and i just find out it's just like a piece of dried skin like okay like you know um because you just hear these things and it's like wait why does it sound like that like is there a respiratory infection i don't know about but it's uh you know it, it just makes you a little bit more hyper vigilant of things but i feel like if you spend enough time in your room actually looking at animals, you got to kind of pick up on these things, whether or not someone is um, inventor, you know, whether someone's in the field or not, but it does come in handy. So if I do need to get, not that I would, I would want to use it, but if I have to get my hands like Datro or something like that, then it's easier. Um, yeah. In that sense. So, but fortunately, knock on wood, um, I haven't had to mess. I didn't have to deal with any of that. So, because Batro in itself can be like nasty, like you don't want mm -hmm. you getting Batro burn and whatnot. So yeah, I mean it works really well, but it's you know it's also it's gonna leave a mark. You have to be stingy you know? with it. Yes, you do. So I'd rather give it to them orally than um, yeah, uh, into the muscle. So because mm -hmm. I'd rather them not have that blemish. So do you have a preference? Fun. You have a preference with disinfectant working in the in the field? So, yes, I do, actually. Um, I actually, so I do use chlorhexidine, but uh, so I kind of have a little bit of a, an approach because um, I do kind of soak things and dilute, uh, like, Dawn, just because sometimes you will have, like, a biofilm if you're just spraying things with chlorhexidine all the time. Yep. Not supposed to, but it really, like, not everyone makes their chlorhexidine the same way. It's supposed to be 30 ounces per, uh, 30 basically 30, uh, 30 mLs per gallon, but most of everyone, everyone I know just kind of pours it into the shade of blue they want to get. Yep. So, hmm. um, but I'll kind of, so I'll use that. I'll soak everything in Dawn, then I'll clean everything with chlorhexidine. Um, if there's some, the stuff that can be bleached, like the bowls, um, some of the furniture, like I would actually soak that in a 10% bleach solution, just kind of just let that dry up. But, Chlorhexidine does have its, I do use that pretty religiously. So and having dogs in the house, like it just comes in handy if mm -hmm. someone has a cut or something like that. So that stuff is dirt cheap anyway. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I was using that for a while and then I started using uh, tractor supply company sells a stuff called Zep. Uh, I heard of it. How do you like yeah. it? Yeah. So far, so good. I mean, Matt Most started, started using, using it. using it on the snakes? Yeah. Like you can get it in the big gallon instead of the stupid spray bottles. And I like it because you don't have to mix it. So I don't have to like fill up my water bottle and then fill up with the chlorhex. It's literally just poured into the spray bottle and it's good to go. But apparently it's, it's, it kills like COVID. So it's, it's, it kills bacteria, it kills viruses, it kills all kinds of stuff. Do you use it for the like water dishes like yeah. you did with the chlorhex? <clears throat> yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the same price, if not, like a buck or two cheaper than the Chlorhex, so. I would actually try that, because there's actually a tractor supply um, like 20 minutes from me anyway, which mm -hmm. is where I've been getting like a lot of my uh, Aspen shaving, well, yeah. I'm sorry, my pine shavings, because that stuff is like dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, I find that's actually helped out here, because I've tried using like straight up cocoa mulch, and I just, I feel like every time I use it, I end up attracting fungus gnats. Mm -hmm. So, so you're using pine right now? I use, yeah. So I use kill and dry pine. I was messing with something that I was calling carpet confetti. So it was like one part, um, 
cocoa mulch with like two to three parts aspen shavings and that's worked pretty well but i find once that stuff gets wet it just makes it too humid because my pop ones love to sit in their water dishes and it drives me freaking nuts so um be prepared for your beards to do that a lot too when you get them uh they're weird like that they're just like pop ones like i had some that just love to hang out in their water bowl you know, for no reason. It's like, it's the temperatures aren't too hot. Everything's fine. They just like sitting in the water. Yeah. The first time I've seen my pop ones do that, I'm like, oh, the first thing I thought, like, oh, crap. It's like, there might issue that I don't know about. And I was right. like, um, then I'm like, wait, is it too hot? And I'm like, then after listening to NPR guys talk about it, mm-hmm. this stuff you don't really see in the literature, it's like, oh, okay. These guys do like to sit in there. They're just aquatic. Yeah. That's yeah. they, they love the water. The odd thing with the bears too is it's it's like the the sub adults and the adults, like the babies, the neonates don't do it, the hatchlings don't do it. It's just the older animals. Huh. I, I have a theory because I talked to Eric about it and he said if you actually look at like where poplin carpets are from, it's a very dry area. And there are some animals, luckily it's not detrimental to carpets. They just enjoy their water. But, you know, if bears do it, because they're also, bears are from a very arid area. There are some species that when water is available, they'll essentially drink themselves to death because they don't get water that mm-hmm. often. So when it's there, they take advantage of it. So I wonder Kinda if like maybe... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering, like, with bears and possibly IJs, if, like, normally where they're from, it's, you know, water is iffy, then they take advantage of it more often. You know, I see it more with the with the with the farm bred stuff, like my my cat, my captive stuff that's been several generations in. They really don't soak much. But my early generation farm bred and F1 stuff, they soak heavily, you know, so I'm wondering if that might. It would make sense because if these guys i mean if these guys they eat and eat and eat and up you know they're pretty much optimistic why wouldn't it be that way with their water exactly. interestingly enough my integrates do much of the same behaviors my um my pop on jaguar she does not do it but her clutch mate actually does do it she's just a um coastal pop no jaguar mm-hmm. in there she soaks in her water bowl and then one of the two caramel had granites that I got from Tony. One of them loves to soak. So yeah. I, I'm like, hmm. And I always check. Like, I have uh, Gobies everywhere in that room. So I'm like, okay, it's not too hot in there. And I just like, all right. Because um, I would have expected it with the pure stuff. And those guys do it too. Because even the guys in quarantine, uh, they're sitting in their water bowls. Yeah. And those guys are tiny. So it's like I constantly have to like refill their water. Like those little two-ounce uh, water bowls. And that's annoying. So... I find myself changing their stuff out frequently, but um, it would make sense that they're actually doing that. That's why they're doing it. As long as they're not gorging themselves to death, and who cares? I'd rather just change out the um, the substrate anyway. So right. as long as I'm like just sitting there wet and it's cold, then so yeah. I've, you... I've got one that's wild caught. Literally, does if there's water in her dish she normally spills it out and i'll leave it i'll leave it empty for a couple days because she gets in it and just spills it all out again to be honest so but she's a wild caught she's a wild caught animal and literally does not leave her water dish it's it's terrible i have one animal like that i'll kind of just like every once in a while just leave her without well 
when I put everything in the wash, I took I take all the bowls out um, the night before, and I'll put it in the wash. It can dry up, and then I can put it back in. So there is they do get that little dry period every once in a while. Um, I try not to do it frequently, but there's times like, all right, like you guys, if, I mean, cause we do it with shipping, like they're not with uh, water for 12 hours or so. So, uh, well, between 12 and 24 hours, hopefully not longer than that, but right. it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, no, for so, sure. Um, but yeah, it would make sense. Um, and I feel like that wouldn't be as bad as like with the overfeeding because yeah, no, it's not. And like I said, that's why it's not a detrimental thing. Like, you know, I, I think of like rosy boas for them. It is detrimental with rosy boas. You give them, you give them a water dish for two days, then you pull it out, you know, or 24 hour, 24 to 48 hours, you give them a water dish and you pull it out and they can't have a water dish because they will literally die because they will drink themselves to death, you know? So it's, it, it, I, with pop wins and, you know, you know, your bears, obviously it's not detrimental like that, but you know, that is my thought process of their, you know, taking advantage of it because it's there and, you know, their natural instinct is it may not always be there. So I'm going to take it while I've got it, you know? And, That's true. I always so. wonder if that can be, like for uh, if that's something that's like further down the line that can somewhat in a way like be bred out of them as they kind of for lack of a better term be domesticated yeah and then that's what i was saying earlier you know i've noticed with like my stuff that several you know generations deep of captive breeding i don't see the soaking nearly as much as i do with my farm bred animals and my f1s you know i have I have a couple F1s and still several farm breads and, you know, wild caught and they all are in their water dishes much more than my animals that have been, you know, captive bred and born for several generations in the U S you know, it's so I, I, I have every idea. It is something that eventually, you know, kind of weans off of, um, but is, you know, yeah. it's also each individual because I have some, I have a farm bred animal that doesn't get in his water dish at all. You know, he's one of the, he's one of, he's probably the only one, but you know, it still happens. So it is, it is individual by individual. You know, every animal is, is different and acts different and, you know, it does different stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's true. So where do you have your, uh, like your govies? Where do you tend to keep those in the room as far as? So right now I have four. So I have two of them in the, what I call the warm side of the room. So one up on the top of the, uh, basically towards the top of the wall, then one on the bottom. So I kind of measure ambience that way. Then I have another two on the other side of the room on the cool end. Same thing. One close to the ceiling, one close to the floor, just to kind of get, um, just to kind of get a good reading of what that room is like. And there's always going to be, there's usually about a one to two degree difference from one end of the room to the other. And then the there's always going to be like a one, I've noticed like maybe one and a half degree difference. Two in the winter time, if uh, the heat's going, where the floors, the lower cages are going to be much cooler than the upper cages. So I did use, uh, before I switched over to the Govies, I was using the... Oh, crap. It was, a, uh, there was, it was another one, but it was not as reliable. And I always had, it have to have, I think it's like La Guardian or something like that, but you had mm -hmm. to have like a little port on the side, which was annoying because I kept getting knocked out. 
and I kept getting uh, error messages saying like there's a disconnect. I'm like, oh crap, because I had to keep that close to the uh, router and uh, mm-hmm. the Wi-Fi router in the living room. So I just started using the Gobies, and they've been good. I plan on as the cages are being built, I do plan on putting them in all the cages. Uh, being Wi-Fi, they're pretty easy, and I do. My ultimate goal is to have them inside the nest uh, nest boxes because if I can maternally incubate everything. I will, uh, with the exception, of course, like with the colubrids and um, Puerto Rican boas, because you know, yep. those guys are cars. <clears throat> but um, with the Morelia, I do plan on using, relying more on maternal incubation than anything else. So, of course, if someone's being a shitty mom and she's like dumping her eggs in a water bowl and not coiling, that's a different story. <laughs> but, you know, there's always one or two that's like, no, nope, not going to do this. So, um, but I do have the incubator just in case. CJ, he I has do. an incubator ready to go. Huh? He has an incubator ready to go. Yeah, I do too. That first popcorn clutch he did, you're like, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I don't even know what I was I thinking with that, man. It worked out, though. At a, at a successful hatch rate. Everything that was viable hatched. Then that sea serpent's incubator did the job next time. I do want to get an incubator from sea serpents. Those things are those things are nice. I got the smallest one they have, but even then, their smallest incubator can hold eight six quart tubs, and it's like, I, yeah, I don't plan on having more Nate clutches in a long time. So <laughs> I don't yeah. plan on breeding anything. I don't plan on ever producing more than maybe two clutches a year because my whole thing is well, I don't want to be put in a situation where I have to move animals for the sake of making space for the next group of right. animals don't want to do that i am kicking myself because before i moved into jersey the bodega that i was near they actually got rid of a bustelo uh wine cooler type uh pretty much like a beverage cooler and my love for cafe bustelo it just it i was like all right i don't have the space for this maybe i'll find another one next time but and next time yeah Yeah. it would have worked it would have been cool but it is what it is um yeah but honestly, those uh, the coolers, like the igloos, like I have one of those that's been modified into an incubator, and that thing is yeah. pretty solid. So, for sure, um, they're pretty cool. Um, and, it, and of course, it has a fan, so it's going to be even better. So, and it's yeah. worked well for the ball pythons when I actually had them. So <laughs> I got my wife an espresso machine coming up on. I think it, we've actually had it a year now. And because of how much you posted about Cafe Bustelo, I, I finally <laughs> I got some. Because I mean, a like a lot of the grocery stores though don't carry like that really fine ground coffee for espresso to begin with. Yeah. And so I was like, I saw it on the shelf. And I was like, oh, that's the stuff Ish is always talking about. I've never had it. I'm gonna get it. And I just brought it home, and that's just that's what we've been drinking pretty much ever since. Except, like I said, she gets. I was telling you in the chat. You know, earlier today, she gets the the Brazilian stuff, and I'm really not, I don't like that nearly as much as just the regular vacuum sealed brick of it. And it's cheap. It's cheap as hell, but it's good. Yes. It's, uh, so what I would do is I'll actually use my Keurig, but I don't like using the little plastic cake cups. That's just too much plastic, and the coffee's too weak. So I just get the little adapters, mm-hmm. pack that in with as much coffee as I can possibly fit in there, and that works out well because, uh, I also realize like those little K cups are just not nearly as strong as I need them to be. I'll have to send you the link to the machine we got because I I this one was like 
I think I paid like a hundred bucks for it and it's actually held up really well. And it's small, so it doesn't take up a ton of space. That's always good. So you just live on the counter. That's right. She's taking care of it. She's like descaled it regularly and, and everything. Oh. It, it's been holding up. I, I, I honestly, I fully expected it to kind of crap out after like six months. <laughs> just because some of the reviews were like, eh, it works, but it doesn't last terribly long. Like this thing's been rocking and rolling every day, multiple times a day for a year. So I kind of felt that way with my Keurig. I was like, hmm, let's see how long this holds up. And mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been a while. And that's sometimes I forget to scale the damn thing. Yeah, now I want to get one of the espresso machines for at work, but I don't know if we have to have like a food permit or something because it's not. I don't think prepackaged. If, if you don't sell it, yeah, it's fine. You just, if you just can't sell coffee. Like that's all. Why not? Because that's the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, I, I would quote, be drinking unquote, that can, all day, and but... I could I could give up my bang habit. <laughs> Maybe I just drink like twenty cups of coffee a day instead. Dang it, what is it? I don't know. My coworker's always drinking that monster energy drink. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. It's Red Bull. I can't stand it. Smells so off putting. Uh, I work <laughs> with someone who reeked of that stuff. Like, I can't, so I smell it. I'm like, whoa. And like, I don't even know what flavor it's supposed to be, but I don't I mind don't Red Bull. It's, it's artificial. It's gross, is what it is. Yeah. No offense to anyone who drinks it, but it's, it's an acquired taste, I guess. Like Mountain Dew. Yeah. It's like anything that's that fluorescent. <laughs> probably shouldn't be going into your body <laughs> yeah so and i used to like that stuff and i was like no nah, can't do it like, i've gone off it and tried it again like nah this is gross mm-hmm. so but yeah no i just I, I want that espresso machine at work man because that's like the best thing to have with cigars is just black coffee in my opinion like that's the best pairing like i don't alcohol and whatever that's cool but black coffee that's all you need. Still need to get the lighter fluid for the Zippo that I got from you. The uh, Oh, yeah. So even though it's like I don't even use it. It's for my cigar smoking friends because they smoke cigars more than I do. I don't even touch on it. But it's just more of like, hey, okay, it's there. It's just it's a conversation piece because they see like, oh, what's this about? So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. So that works. Gave um, Jake one, but he stopped smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, jeez. Yeah, Use it Can't like candles things. or something, without burning your fingers. Yeah, yeah. No, I still have it. It's a collector's item, essentially, yes. just like the soccer squash. I'll still, I'll still use it for cigars. I still smoke cigars. I just don't smoke them a lot. I don't know. I like it. I'm glad we did that though, because I really like these. I painted my like the logo and, and lettering on mine blue, which uh, I kind of wish I did. I'm gonna change it to red. I think. It'll just you take some nail polish and you just like coat it and let it dry and then you take acetone and you just wipe it gently and it leaves it in the letters. Uh no but way. It takes it off the the plating. Yeah. So uh, no way. I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna put red or something. I thought about maybe finding some like gold, like metallic gold nail polish. Gold would go better with the green. It would. Yeah. I don't know. This baby blue just looks kind of dumb. Yeah, I don't know why you did blue with. Well, the, I thought it would. With that when color I had green. the bottle and I was comparing them, I was like, "That looks like it might look nice," and it doesn't. So. No, I could have told you. But that. the nice thing is, I just take acetone and just get it out, and then I can replace it with whatever color I want. There you go. I'm crafty. That's what I did with my. Uh, you crafty bitch. I did that with the with my Glock though, like the lettering and stuff. I, you take white nail polish, and I did the. That's where I learned how to do it. You just. 
code it and it makes those like your the letters and stuff pop on the uh, if that matters some people don't well, you care. just lightly rub it off with the yeah well it's even easier on the on the glock slide because those grooves are so much deeper in the lettering yeah. so i don't know that's that's neither here nor there um what do you plan in a pair uh this this upcoming so, this season nothing is going to be paired looking at my male jungle he's more than ready to go um he's my largest of the males but the females that i would like to pair him with are not up to size i'm really pushing for my females to be at four years old or once they have that big blocky head then mm-hmm. i'll start pairing um just because of me wanting to maternally incubate but this year, yeah, so nothing's going this year. Next year is when I'm expecting a lot of stuff to actually go. Um, it's going to be a lot of the jungles. I can actually go and pair my pop one stuff as well um, because the female pop one, the pure pop one from Steve Katz be ready to go. And the male that I have from Steve, um, Nick Martin is actually just about like he's almost, I wouldn't be surprised if he tried breeding now. Because he's at that size, he's about 18 months, but I don't want to push it, and the female's not ready. So next year will be a busy year, but I'm only going for two clutches. I don't want to overproduce. Um, I also don't want to deal with having to feed a whole bunch of mounts because you have that many pairings, and if all three of them go, and if all three of them are dropping like 30-plus eggs, it's like, oh, shoot, that's 90-plus hatchings you have to worry about. It's a lot of, lot of bodies here. Yeah. Yeah, so and I know I'm going to have this issue when I actually start producing where I'm not going to let anything go right away. I may very well be that person who's holding on to a clutch for like six months to a year just to see what things are coloring up. Mm-hmm. Do it with pop wins. If you when you produce pop wins, do do it. Hold them <laughs> yeah. as long yeah, as long as possible. Huh? So, some seller's remorse? Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. hmm. But um, that's why like I'm really adamant about like not having more than what I'm willing to hold back at a certain time. I'm just trying to be very responsible for this with this whole thing, because um, I've seen it happen in other scenarios. It's not poo pooing on the ball python breeders, but like when you have thousands of animals in your care, and you're at that point like, wait, I produce this thing. When you see it years down the road, like I don't. It's it just doesn't sit well with me. So. I don't want to get to that point. I want to be able to be see my eyes like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, yeah, I sent this one to so-and-so, you know, even though, yeah, you know, animals are going to move and that's out of, once they're out of your hands, that's it, they're out of your hands. But um, just kind of keeping as close track of the animals that I produce as possible and just kind of moving forward that way, which is why I'd rather like, when a time comes, I'd rather send animals to people who I know who would actually appreciate them for what they are versus listing um you know to the next highest to the highest bidder so because i'd rather i don't know i just feel like it's just more of the enjoyment for anything else and mm-hmm. at the end of the day i'm doing this for myself just to kind of better my projects and then whatever you know if something is something that someone else can use is available then great but you know i don't want to just produce things just for the sake of producing things so um i believe it was said I think Brandon Wheeler said it fairly recently. Like, if you're getting into carpets for the sake of making money, like it's the wrong species, and that's true. So, mm-hmm. and it's 
Yeah, they're just they're just awesome animals. Like I can just sit back and look at them and just appreciate them for what they are and not have to, you know, ever if I don't have to ever go through the ha hassle of selling them, I probably won't, but you know, let's be for real, like these guys have to pay for their room and board. So, <laughs> uh, it's you know, and as long as they do that, then that's okay. Like it's or just, you know, it's just pure enjoyment, really. I just really they're just a really cool species to watch, like just for mm -hmm. their behaviors and what they do. And, you know, just like they just display really well. So um, they're not shy. Like half of my animals are out as the uh, noon sun is actually, you know, shining through the window. And if I'm in that room, I can actually see them kind of just like perched up and just following the sun. So it's they're really they're a cool species. And I'm also glad that they're not like a mainstream species like you know uh some of your corns your boas and whatnot yeah. because uh just for what we have in this country like i would uh i would hate to see like you know uh subspecies that like, get lost in a whole morph thing as it did like with um willow cows like what did with the reticulated pythons so and now like garrett's like backtracking to kind of like work with this stuff and kind of like delineate everything else which is actually pretty freaking cool so yeah, I mean, I'm at a point now, and I think I know, like, some of our friends feel the same way. Like, we're pretty much just breeding to sell to, like, friends and stuff or give stuff to friends. Like, I'm yeah. at a point now where I'm like, <laughs> if I have extra stuff, I'll post it on Morph Market, but I'm not going to, like, make it a point to where it's like, okay, I'm going to put all of this on Morph Market, and then, you know, X, Y, and Z, you'll get an animal or two. And, and now it's just like, cool. Someone wants a pair of the locality corns. Awesome. You know, like sell them for next to nothing or just cover shipping, whatever. Like, you know, yeah. it's much easier that way. Cause I mean, you see enough of the, the stuff, the like emails and messages that people get about, you know, dealing with customers, quote unquote. Um, and I don't know. I mean, even my mentality with that now has become if someone messages me asking or wants to buy something, like I just assume they're they're not going to follow through and actually do it. <laughs> and that and th I mean, that's not like to be crude or anything like that. That just takes a lot of the disappointment out of it, because it's just if you expect them to not follow through, then there's really nothing to get upset about. You know, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Tire kickers are. Yeah. Tire <laughs> kickers are. They are a waste of time. It is annoying. But it's also it's just part of the it's part of the it's game. Part of it's part of the dance. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Exactly. It's it's a it's a byproduct of of selling animals. You know, it's like there's no avoiding it. It's gonna happen. You know, yeah. sometimes you just gotta do the dance. People want pictures, you gotta send them pictures. Or you don't have to, but just just do it. I mean I, there is a there is a limit like there is a, a point where yeah. you can say like look i'm gonna send you pictures but i'm not gonna send you pictures every day i'm not gonna send you pictures of it next to my driver's you're license gonna, you're like, gonna get a picture of it in my <laughs> you're hand. gonna get a picture of it you're gonna get a picture of it in my hand and decent lighting or in there its tub go. and that's that's <laughs> that's what you get even tub lighting as long as it's not like you know with the pile of shit in the corner then it's all fine mm -hmm. that's why i use an led i have an led light that i hold with one hand and i take my pictures with my phone on my other one i use my camera whenever possible but i haven't done as much as i use the camera i use the iphone i do want to get a led light like a light ring just for that purpose that, so yeah, that's what I've gotten. i'm going to see what because i do have um led lighting for the cages i actually <laughs> need to set up 
I want to see what it's like with that before I start getting all the because I do have I do have a light box in my closet somewhere that I have to go find and I'm pretty sure like, the LED lighting is there but um, I want to get something a little brighter just to kind of capture their true colors I don't really want to bring them out like I could bring them out onto the balcony but I also don't want to attract attention <laughs> so like what's that guy doing up there with it? like no it's uh you know, like, yeah, people know about them, but it's like, mm, no, you know, it's, yeah, no, I don't want that type of attention. But yeah. still trying to see, like, what's the best, uh, messing with what's the best possible lighting. And, I mean, it's really hard to beat natural sunlight. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I had most luck whenever I was using my Nikon for a lot of my indoor photography. I had a lot of luck. I had two external flashes. And I had one pointed at a wall to bounce off, mm -hmm. you know, the white off of that. And I had one farther away that also bounced off a wall. But because it was farther away, it casted a shadow slightly. So you got like the background shadow of it. And it's just like it lit up really nicely. If you can bounce, if you can bounce light off something white to make a soft, hmm. a soft lighting. And then, you know, for me, for photography with a camera, nothing nothing beats it I, it's my favorite i'm spoiled oh, yeah. I, mean, I hate using my iphone but it's so much easier just to is, hold the led and you take your phone out and click click, click. So i don't even do that see like the front of the house in the morning it doesn't get sun yeah, dude you so get perfect lighting it is here. perfect like, like, oh especially if there's cloud cover too yeah <laughs> it's like ideal you know and it's i'm lucky and now it's to the point now where it's if i'm i like i want to take every picture outside yeah. because inside it just that the lighting in my room is too warm. And so everything looks warmer than it really is. And especially with the green trees, man, that natural light just makes those blues and stuff pop so yep. much more. I mean, it's just, it's almost looks like a completely different snake compared to inside. You know, it's, it's nuts. I really like conjures, but it's like, you don't know what they're going to look like as an adult. And That's the fun part, man. That's the excitement. Mm, yeah but then you have to wait to sex them like you buy to you hoping it's a pair like oh crap well both of these are males like damn it what am i gonna do now so it's they're cool oh and then like the whole thing like you have to be careful like them defecating or not defecating because you don't want them to prolapse like it's they're i do i really do like them i would probably venture into them again in the future but not to that extent, like, I mean, like, I mean, there's some stuff out there that's just insane looking, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, they're cool. I just also like not getting bitten by them because those bites can be a little wicked too. <laughs> so something about them just getting stuck on your hand, like, oh, great. You got anything else that you want to, yeah, so... it doesn't feel good. Um, <laughs> So is there anything there, else you want to get into at least in the next year or so or something I, that you're your eyeballing but may not ever get into like other species? So I would definitely so my ultimate goal and I would get into it in a heartbeat if they ever made their way stateside, I would so get imbricata. I would really freaking get in like I would be like, okay, like I would get rid of half the collection just to keep imbricata. They're just so freaking cool. I think they'll eventually get into the States, but them are Owen Pelly. Like, I like uh, Papuan uh, pythons, but they're just a large animal. You need to have the space for them. Bolins, mm -hmm. yeah, they're cool, but they're really, they need to be in more capable hands until people 
some people are trying to, you know, some people try to keep them. So, um, and then of course with the, I would love to get a pair of Inlands and a pair of Ruffies. So Darwin, right there cool with you on those. Players. I love. I I like some Inlands eventually before I die. Hmm. They're cool. It's just it's a shame that like, we're kind of limited. Like it's uh, what is it, Schofield and Mog? Like you're just going to mm-hmm. be kind of uh, limited to what you're getting here. It's going to be yeah. one of those guys, maybe a mix of those two. So, but they're awesome animals, man. Um, but yeah, and then like I said, Darwin's on, I like them, but aside from the albino, which doesn't quite do it for me, that's why I don't really mess with them. Now, if coastals ended up, um, uh, if we had albino coastal stateside, that would be freaking great, but that's probably not going to happen. I, now that I mean, is Mutton's like the only one doing regular, like pure Darwin's, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that have, you know, normal pure Darwin's. A lot of people work with work with albinos. I mean, like just um, Darwin's, just straight Darwin. Like Dan Colgan's got, yes, got, yeah. has straight has albinos. Nice. There's quite a few people that work with some of the straight albinos. Um, Sean Wagner has, yeah, straight. I don't Darwin. know. I just every time I see Darwin's or anything with Darwin in it, it's albino in some shape. Because that's really the that's the only morph Darwin's have. But I don't. And I, I like the regular Darwin's. Yeah. Which makes too, it easy. But... Makes it easy if you see something with someone's like, oh, I don't know what this is. I just know it's a head albino. Okay, then it's got at least Darwin. Right. Exactly. And so yeah, the, the morphs are giveaways for some stuff. Yeah, um, that's true. How far are you from Dan? He's in he's in Jersey. He's in Manalapin. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh that. I think I know. I want to say that's probably like maybe forty minutes from me. Forty, forty-five yeah, minutes. I want to say. It's not too no far. idea where it is as far as on a map in the state somewhere, but no, it's I believe it's uh, definitely further south. I want to say because I'm still sure. like up in North Jersey, so mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm like right on the other side of essentially uh, Staten Island. So. I think that's where he was because he hasn't been. He just moved down there not that long ago. I think it's been I don't know a year or so. But he was in. I want to say he might have been in Staten before. I don't know, but yeah, he's got some cool stuff. We got to get him on the show too. Yeah, I was about to say we got. He's him been on Snakes and Stogies, I think, like once. His schedule's kind of kind of squirrely. Squirrely. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because I was actually supposed to be. I took off the last two days just because I had a crap ton of vacation time. Like, yeah, no, I need the, I need my time off before you guys like have me running the next string of procedures. So, <laughs> no, it gets tiring. Cause then it's like, it's, there's times I get home, I walk the dogs like, all right, I'm spent. Like I got to check on the guys. And that's why it's like, sometimes I'll go through a dry spell with not posting any pictures. And then mm-hmm. when I actually have the chance to actually like, usually it's during maintenance time. I can, take out yeah i should appreciate like oh shoot like oh okay you should like look at you so um and that is actually pretty cool because half the time like you don't actually realize how big some animals are until you actually right sit down and appreciate pull them them out Mm -hmm. like oh holy crap okay wait okay you need an upgrade soon so like that whole cohort that i got that came in back in march that were living in six courts hub they all have to be moved into 16 courts I'm probably going to move them before the cool down. So that's um, 
with the exception of the tiger that I have from Balin, who had moved into a 16 court after he cleared quarantine because he was too big. So, um, and he's he's an animal that probably would have been able to go if I were to pair him, but again, no suitable females for him. At least nothing that's ready. So, um, yeah, otherwise, uh, let's see. Trying to see. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> but, yeah, in terms of outside stuff that I would like to work with, the gargoyle geckos are that. Like, it's just kind of like a little side thing. It's like, all right, let's see how well I can actually do with these guys. Um, I mean, they're pretty straightforward. I'm not anticipating any issues with that, but that's in terms of things with legs, that's as about as far as I knock on wood, as as far as I go. I say I'd want a pair I'd want Ackies or Kimberly Rocks, but they're you need to have the space. You need to have the space and the time set up for these like um dedicated to these guys. And also I don't want to keep a roach colony. Yeah. The New Yorker in me doesn't it's the land <laughs> I, I just I can't. I just, I had a lantern fly into the place a couple of weeks ago and I wanted to set the place on fire. Like, it was just picking the girls. I'm like, oh. It's just funny because the one thing I, I struggle with insects. I'm fine with spiders because they eat insects, but like actual insect insects. Bug I'm bugs. Good. Yeah. So, my veterinary director, um, she had me ship out a sample of a dead crickets because uh, one of the labs were using it for their mice, like for their hunting behaviors. And I looked at these guys, I looked at them like, these look sickly. Like, what do you mean they look sickly? I'm like, if I had an insectivorous species, I would not want to feed this to my animals. She's like, well, I made you say, like, look how slimy they are. She's like, oh, well, what do you know? I'm like, it's just funny because they don't, uh, they just look at them like they don't actually have any concept of, like what they're supposed to look like yeah. and what they are. So it's like, but yeah, I just, I can't. I don't, I can deal with them. Like, if I have to deal with it, I'll deal with it. Like, the Gogo geckos get pinheads, and I can, I'm fine with that. But, like, just the dubia, I. It's so, dubia are weird, because unless it's like the adult males, they really don't. You don't, after a while, you kind of forget they're a roach. If that yeah. makes sense. Like, the males look like roaches, because they have the wings and stuff. Yeah. But, like, the nymphs and the females okay. don't look like roaches. So, it's like, after a while, you're like, whatever. Like, you'll go in and grab a freaking handful of them, and it's whatever. Like, the males, yeah, like, I can understand. Like, it's, they're they're roachy. But I'd be the guy who knocks over the bin and freaking... Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> That's everyone's nightmare. Yeah, I'm like, no, nah, not doing it. It's everyone's biggest fear with the dubia roaches. <laughs> Oh, dude, that just gives me the really. Genius. I don't. I mean, it really don't bother me. Like, no, I'm not gonna eat one man. or anything. But it's whatever. I would hope not. I ran into a coworker at the White Plains show a while back, and she had a freaking millipede in her hand. I'm like, nope, get away. It's like, no, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. like I don't need it. Like, speed. She got it for something. I don't remember what it was, but I saw it. I'm like, I'm gonna go that way. I'll see you later. So. There's a ton of those when we were in Texas. There's like these big golden ones. I'm sure you saw them when you were living out there. But like we'd see those in the rock, rock cuts, and it kept thinking they were like small snakes. And you'd shine. It's like oh, it's just a millipede. <laughs> yep. They're freaking uh, everywhere, man. They're cool. They're cool. I can so appreciate like, them. But centipedes, I don't do. Yeah, no. Centipedes are a pretty hard no for me. 
Yeah, centipedes are they're rough. Yeah, it's I would see them here. Um, I know the raccoons around here actually like to eat them. It's yeah, it's another species I'm not a fan of. As long as it stays over there, it's fine. Um, just nothing that can you know spread rabies. So, but I've also yeah. been chased by them before, so I'm not a fan of them. Now, those New York New York raccoons are probably pretty serious. No, that's exactly. Like, yeah. They're they're ain't, they're not gonna they're run. Fug they're, raccoon. Yeah, they're boy. ready to square up, man. Yeah, no, they are. I like the ones here, one. they they run. No, I the ones up there. One trash can, and she chased me like half right. <laughs> no, bye. That's that's. I thought it was like someone's like really fat like dog, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And I hear the nails on the concrete, and then I see the face like, oh no! And it's like it's making this little noise. <laughs> that guy run across trees like running like no, this is. So I was like ran halfway down the block. So and it's like it's funny because you don't realize how big they are until you actually yeah. see them up close. Like holy crap! Like nah. So they're they're cool, but like some it's funny because in New York City, like I wouldn't expect to see them in some areas, and I had them all over the place in Queens. So here we have skunks, we have raccoons, we have possums. Um, they're cool. So I, I want to pet possum really bad, and Katie won't let me. <laughs> I like possums. Apparently, they make really good pets. They're really cool. They're cool. It's, America's only marsupial. Like people That's think true. that they're like raccoons and that they eat anything they can get their hands on. Like people kill them because they're like, it was near my chicken coop. No, they're it's actually like, very clean animals. Yeah, like they're not there to kill the chickens. Like that's raccoons, man. Yeah, the possums raccoons are just kind of benign. Like possums will eat eggs. Yeah. Like I don't know. They're just. I played with little baby ones before, and it was fun. And ever since I was a kid, when that happened, I wanted one. And, Katie thinks it's gross, and I'm like, it's no different than a cat. Like, you can train them and stuff. I mean, they just probably better than any cat you could probably. Yeah, cats are shifty, man. Mine attacks my child randomly, (laughs) like hardcore, like legit, like scratches her up to where we're concerned that DSS is going to call us one day because the school is going to be like, where did all these scratches come from? No, cats, cats are weird. Like they're. They're supposed they're domesticated, but they're not domesticated at the same time. It's like they're they, they're, they're domesticated when stuff. they feel like being domesticated. Yeah, it's like it's I if I had to deal with a 150 pound patient who's a dog who's trying to like rip my face apart and a cat, I'm gonna deal with the dog first because um, yeah. cats are very nimble. Like cats are just ugh, and pretty cats, sure like 80 percent rubber. Yeah, it's, yeah. elastic. Yeah, like there's some of them. Like if you have a cat, I dubbed them the pet cemetery cats. If you have a cat who's like that, church. That? Yes. <laughs> oh, what's that? What's that show? Uh, my cat from hell. Like if you have a cat yeah. like that, I'm like, mm, why? I don't know. It's it's weird. He's fixed, and like at night he'll sleep on her bed and stuff. But then there's just random days where he'll literally just go up to her and like attack her. Cat? No, cats are. And it's like, dude, what? What the hell? You know, cats are, there's nothing straightforward about cats. Like, even under anesthesia, like, they just behave oddly. <laughs> so, it's like, oh, great. Even their anatomy is weird. So, it's, um, they're interesting, but, yeah, no. Like, you know, that's why I'm not a fan of pharaohs and for other reasons. But cats do a lot of damage. I'm sure there's a ton of them up there. We, so, we had them in my, com- in the parking lot of my complex when I first moved in. They slowly disappeared. I'm pretty sure they were just like getting run over. Homeless people uh, are catching them and eating them. I don't know. Not, being no, captured not and taken to tent cities. They need nah, to. Nah, they nah, slow roast them. 
No, we had the lady like uh, feeding them, but then she stopped feeding them. They like disappeared. But which I'm happy for because they just stunk like cat pee, like in certain parts of the. Oh park. yeah. I'm like, oh, like, why? So, and um, yeah, they just yeah they do a lot of damage. Like my brother, uh, like he recently like he was asking about it because he had rat snakes out on his property. Um, he's in Florida. He was like, is it? He always sent me a picture like, what's this? Do I need to be worried about this? Like, no, you're good. <laughs> so send uh, it to me. Put it in the box. Oh, I thought about that. There was a, um, <laughs> yeah. So he actually has, uh, I think it's a, it might have been a, it might have been a uh, yellow rat snake that uh, was nicknamed Bodega Cat because it's living under the chicken coop in his yard. Oh, so, probably yeah, yellow. Yeah, no, it's exactly. Um, he's yeah. like uh, every once in a while he'll lose an egg or two, but I'm like, it's look, it's fine. It's you're, it's probably keeping the rats in check, so because the rats that go after the grain and whatnot, so and. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, he does have copperheads out there. So, like, he did have a, uh, he did send me a picture of a king snake eating a copperhead. I think I posted that on Snakes and Stogies a while back. So, mm-hmm. that was, like, out in the yard. So, that was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, the copperheads, again, with my luck, I'll probably, like, step on something out there. So, mm-hmm. but they're still pretty amazing animals nonetheless. So, yeah. Well, where can people find you, man, if they want to get in touch? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram under IQ Exotics. I'm on Facebook under IQ IQ Exotics, and under Facebook you can also find me on under Ish Quinones. If you're gonna add me on Facebook, just be prepared for the disappointment that I'm not gonna post a lot of snake stuff on there. I have a lot of friends on there who are just very anti-snake for whatever reason. Um, so I just usually use that as my outlet for my sarcasm. So I'm always busy. and coffee and coffee, of course. So mm-hmm. um, you should yeah. get an official sponsorship or endorsement from Cafe Bustillo. You're like the fourth person who said that. I would actually. I mean, it inspired me to go and buy some, so clearly <laughs> it's working. I would do something like that. I have to get a shirt um, that actually says Cafe Bustillo, so I can work on something like that. So because every time I go into the supermarket, if I see the big pallets, I like take pictures with the. Uh, coffee so um i do want to find a both the mask and a surgeon's cap just to add that that shock but i have not been able to find that so um because if i wanted to get i would tag uh capable solo for something like that but i actually want to make sure like i catch their eye if i do something like that right so Awesome. Well, we appreciate awesome. you coming on. Yeah, man. man. Thanks for coming on the show. It was a good one. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. We'll definitely catch you later, bro. All right. Take it easy. All right, man. You too. Right. What happened? Huh? Hmm? 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 What? I don't know. I don't know. This well, was episode 137 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, which is part of the Herpeticulture Network, which includes Snakes and Stogies, the Chondrocast, Corn Stars, THP. Did I say Snakes and Stogies? I think so. I think I did. Uh, Lizard Brain Radio and Herpeticulture Magazine. The 24th issue of Herpeticulture Magazine is currently out and available, so go check that out. Um, we'll be back on our usual Monday night at nine for Snakes and Stogies 95, I think. 
Um, and this show was brought to you by Steve Snakeshuary and his Venom Hot Sauces. So please yeah, go yeah. check those out. Oh, sure. Uh, we'll be back next week. Got to get someone lined up. Maybe do a one-on-one. I don't know yet. I'm trying to get Chris we, back on are here. We do for one-on-one. But yeah, we need to have Chris on since we announced him Man of the Year. THP Man of the Year. Yeah, we got to get him on. To... We also need to schedule Montrose again for our Nerodia yeah. for our Nerodia hour. Another another I haven't had an episode with Loffman, so that needs to, that needs to happen soon. Yeah. All right. But, well, everyone have right. a good morning, good day, good evening, whatever it is when you're listening to this. And a Merry Christmas. We're not there yet. I'm Happy Halloween. Kidding. How about that? I'm just kidding. I'm excited for Christmas, man. It's my All favorite right, time yeah. of year. I don't really care. I like the music. I don't care what people say. I'll listen to Christmas music year round. My dad says that. Simply happy. Okay. That was like my favorite Christmas song as a kid. Yeah. Time is right. Spear is up. Song, song, Christmas time. You're welcome for getting that stuck in your head. I hope it stays there until Christmas. Merry Christmas, bitch. And my birthday. Hey. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Piece of garbage. Nightmare before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's pretty good. I turned 31. My life is flashing before my eyes. You turned 31. Mm-hmm. Damn, you're old. I turned 26 in January. Oh, to be young again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see everybody later. <coughs> oh, God. <coughs> Bye.